Morning, everyone. Thank you, Mark. Will you pray with me? Lord, we, we come to you this morning again as a congregation, and we long to know you, Jesus, walking in the midst of us, Lord. <clears throat> walking in the midst of the golden lampstands of the churches. That's what your word says you do. And Jesus, we, we want you to walk amongst us here this morning. Lord, even as, as Mark came up and prayed earlier, we want, desire, need the ministry of the Holy Spirit amongst us to teach us. We need that anointing that teaches us all things, that leads us into all truth. We need that, Lord. I need it, and every person listening to me this morning needs it. And we ask you for it, God. We ask you to speak to us this morning, Lord. Come and walk amongst us, Jesus. Come and let your Spirit fall upon us this morning, Jesus. Come and make your Word alive to us this morning, Jesus. That's why we're here. That's why we're here. Let my words be an offering to you, Jesus, our great Savior, the one who gave his life for us to be forgiven. Let my words be an offering to you, an acceptable sacrifice to you. And may the response of every man, woman, and child listening this morning, how they respond, let it be an offering to you, Jesus. Let it be an act of worship to you as they submit to your word and delight in your word. Do all this amongst us this morning, God, by the power of the Holy Spirit, Lord. We need you. Have mercy on us, Lord. In Christ's name, amen. amen. So one of the themes that's been emphasized this morning already is that of lordship. And Mark was alluding to that several times in what he said to us, that when you come to Jesus, you don't just come to Jesus to be reconciled to God. You do to get your sin forgiven, because sin is the great problem of the human race. The estrangement of man from God. That each one of us have turned aside to our own way. And we have earned the judgment of a holy God. And so it's important. We must be forgiven. The most important thing any human being does in their life is to seek the forgiveness of God. To be reconciled with the one who will judge them. And with the one who holds their eternity in his hands. But we don't only come to God for forgiveness. When we come to Jesus, we come to Him as a servant comes to a master. As a servant submits himself to the Lordship of his Lord. You cannot come to Jesus just as Savior. You must come to Him as Lord. And your entire life must be turned over to Him. And you must seek to, you must commit to seeking Him. For the rest of your life. And obeying him. And as Terry Virgo reminded us so wonderfully on Wednesday evening. For those of you who were here. Uh, he, he ran a session with, with the leaders on Wednesday night. And he said the purpose. As Paul describes it in 1 Timothy chapter 1 verse 5. The purpose of the ministry. If you're a leader. Is this. Number one, love, to create a community that loves, a community that has a clear conscience, 
and a community that serves with a sincere faith. And one of the points he made to us was this, that we don't obey God as our master out of some sense of unhealthy fear that we, we do it because we're embarrassed what other people think of us. We, 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 we do shameful things until someone's watching and then we quickly stop it because now our reputation is at stake or whatever. No, he said a person like that has never grasped what Christian obedience is, that we are to seek to obey from faith. That we obey God because we believe that He loves us. And that when He says, unmarried people, you ought to wait for your spouse and keep yourself pure until you meet him or her. That He's not doing that to ruin your fun. He's doing that because He loves you. And He knows what He's created you for. He knows what's good for you. And you could say that of all the commands of God in Scripture, that they are given to us for our good. Paul says to the Thessalonians, And we urge you, brethren, this is 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verses 12 and 13, We urge you, brethren, to recognize those who labor among you, and, over, and who are over you in the Lord, and admonish you. And to esteem them very highly in love for the work's sake. So here we find just such a command given to us in Scripture. The goal of which is love. Which is what Paul said to Timothy was his goal in the ministry. That's what he's aiming at with all his preaching. He's aiming at creating love. Well here's just one such command which he gives which he says there is designed to create love within the fellowship and that is that we should pray for and recognize and submit to those who are over us in the Lord the writer to the Hebrews says the same thing this is Hebrews chapter 13 verse 17 he says this obey those who rule over you. He's talking about local church leadership. Obey those who rule over you and be submissive. Let me tell you, this is a very difficult instruction in the Western world. We are so individualistic. We're so anti-authority. We are so about our own rights. We're, we're, we're so about um, the respect that is owed to me, my right to question authority. We struggle with this, particularly in the Western culture. Other cultures, even in the modern day, don't struggle with this as much as we do. But the Bible says we must be submissive to our leaders. For they watch over your souls as those who must give an account. Yes, we as Christian leaders will give an account to God for how we led His church. Yes, we are accountable. But you are accountable for how you will submit to the leaders. Let them do so with joy and not with grief, for that would be unprofitable for you. And there you see the writer of the Hebrews makes the same point. It would be unprofitable for you if you don't submit to the leaders of this church 
and let them do their work with joy. Actually, the church are those who suffer when the leaders are not honored. So I want to talk to you uh, this morning about one particular way, which we're going to get into now, about how we can honor our leaders. And I'm going to focus everything I have to say this morning on Andrew Thompson as our lead elder. Of course, everything I say about Andrew could equally be said about Mark, and particularly in the context of the evening service where he leads that. But it could also be said about Mark and Nick as as the elders that join us as a congregation here on Sunday mornings, together with other people like myself who do lead and who do play a role in teaching in the church. So everything I say about Andrew could extend to those. The other group of people that it could extend to is your home group leader. Does your home group leader lead you with joy? Or are you a headache for your home group leader? Okay, so when I talk about Andrew Thompson, you can extend it to all that group of people. But it is particularly true of Andrew because he is the man that God has given us as a congregation who leads us. Okay, so one way that we honor our leaders, the one way that we will honor Andrew Thompson as our leader is to pray for him. And that's what I want to speak to you about this morning. Now, immediately as we address the topic of praying, praying for specific things, if you have had experience of of praying for yourself, for your family, for whatever, and certainly if you've read the letter to the Romans, you'll know that actually prayer is not as easy as it may seem. Paul says to the Romans that the Spirit helps us in our weaknesses. Why do we need that help? For we do not know what we should pray for as we ought. That's Romans chapter 8 verse 26. We don't know what to pray for as we ought. So immediately we have this obstacle. I want to talk to you this morning about praying for Andrew Thompson. But the question then is, well, what do we pray? And as Paul says in Romans chapter 8, the Spirit helps us in our weaknesses. We don't know what to pray for, and yet we have the mind of Christ communicated to us by the Holy Spirit. Paul says to Timothy, this is uh, 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 16. This is a, a verse that every Christian should have memorized. 2 Timothy 3, 16. All Scripture is given by God, and it is profitable for a number of things. Doctrine, reproof, instruction in righteousness, etc. That the man of God may be f- mature and equipped for every good work. All scripture is given by inspiration of God and it is profitable for doctrine. What does that mean? We put all those little strands of thought together. We don't know how to pray as we ought. We don't know what it is that we should actually be praying for Andrew Thompson. But the Holy Spirit helps us in our weaknesses. How does he do that? He's given us an inspired document called the Bible in which we are instructed How to live godly lives. And one of the things the Bible itself instructs us in is how to pray for our leaders. So the Spirit helps us in praying for Andrew Thompson. As we read the scriptures. And as the living Spirit of God applies them to our hearts. 
and illuminates us as we read the scriptures, we can get it. We know how to pray for Andrew. And so that's my my goal this morning. Is I, I want us to go then to the scriptures as the Holy Spirit does His work amongst us and in our hearts and minds that we will be illuminated this morning from the scriptures as to how to pray for Andrew. Okay, there are eight prayer requests of the Apostle Paul in the epistles. There are many types of prayers in Scripture. And I would suggest that as you grow in the Christian life, your prayer times, and I hope you do have regular personal prayer times on your own, and I hope you also do gather with other Christians in prayer. I hope those are two disciplines in your life. As you do that, as we grow in maturity as Christians, our prayer life should be more and more informed by the language and concepts of Scripture. That's one of the things that I said to you in in, in the previous sermon on prayer, is that our prayers should be framed in the language of Scripture, that we should have the mind of Christ as we pray. We see different prayers in Scripture, and we can take many of them prayers for um, other people, prayers for um, the safety of a nation, uh, prayers for personal benefit, many prayers that you can pick out of Scripture. But very, well, much more rarely in Scripture do we find prayer requests where one person is asking others to pray for him or her. Actually, we find a concentration of those in the letters of Paul. And there are, as I said to you, eight prayer requests that Paul makes. And these prayer requests of Paul are incredibly helpful to us to know what it is that we should be praying for Andrew Thompson. Because these are the things that that Paul the Apostle, inspired by the Holy Spirit, asked the churches to be praying for him. Okay, I'm going to list them for you. We're not going to go through all of them. We won't have time this morning. I want to look at four of them. But here are the eight. If you're a note-taking type of person, then these are the eight you want to list in your, in your notes. Romans chapter 15, verses 30 to 32. We will look at that one together this morning. 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verses 9 to 11. We won't look at that. Ephesians chapter 6, verses 18 to 20. Incredibly important verses. We're going to look at those together. Ephesians 6, 18 to 20. Then Philippians 1, 19 and 20. Then Colossians chapter 4, verses 3 and 4. We will look at those ones this morning. 1 Thessalonians 5, 25. And then a follow-up to that. 2 Thessalonians 3, 1 and 2. And then the last one is Philemon, verse 22. Okay, we're going to look at four of those together this morning as we look at the the two major themes of Paul's prayer requests. And that's the next point I need to make to you. As we look at those eight prayer requests, you basically find two categories of prayer requests there. Two general themes that he's asking prayer for. The first one is deliverance. Deliverance from enemies. Deliverance from harm and danger. And then the second one is what I'm just going to call gospel success. For the success of his gospel ministry. 
And those are the two basic things. If you want to just have a simple categorization in your mind of what God expects you to be praying regularly for Andrew Thompson, it's those two things. That he would be delivered from evil in all its various forms that we'll speak about. And that his gospel ministry would be successful. Okay, so let's look at the first theme. We're going to do them separately this morning. The first one, prayers for deliverance. Romans chapter 15, verses 30 and 32. Romans chapter 15, verses 30 to 32. Let's read those together. Now I beg you, brethren, through the Lord Jesus Christ and through the love of the Spirit... That you strive together with me in prayers to God for me. That I may be delivered from those in Judea who do not believe. And that my service for Jerusalem may be acceptable to the saints. That I may come to you with joy by the will of God. And may be refreshed together with you. Paul was planning a trip to Judea, Jerusalem being the capital of Judea. And he, was, he had an offering that he collected from the churches. He had a, a large sum of money that he was tasked with delivering to the church in Jerusalem. And he's now writing to the Romans, one and a half thousand miles away from Jerusalem, saying, I want you to pray for me, that when I get to Jerusalem with this offering, that I will be delivered from those in Judea who do not believe. The many Jews who did not believe in Jerusalem. Those who persecuted the church in Jerusalem. Those who murdered the Lord Jesus Christ Himself. Pray that I will be delivered from them, but not only that, but that my service for Jerusalem may be acceptable to the saints. Okay, so... As we now go through that prayer request in a little bit more detail, the first thing I want you to notice there is that Paul says, I beg you to pray for me. I beg you. Prayer for Andrew Thompson is not a nice to have. It's it's not something that you can do if you think about it. Let me plead with you on behalf of Andrew Thompson this morning. I beg of you. To be praying for him. The word that Paul uses here. I beg you through the Lord Jesus. By the love of the spirit. That you strive together with me. In prayers to God for me. That word strive together. It's a Greek word. Sun agonizomai. Sun means together. Agonizomai. What English word do we get from that? To agonize. To agonize. He says, agonize together with me in prayer. Agonize. Search God. Seek God. Be persistent in prayer. Be, be, be zealous in prayer for me. I'm begging you, please. This is not the 22nd prayer, 32nd prayer that, that we just pray when we're driving the car and we're about to park. Oh Lord, you are blessed so and so. No, he's saying, agonize with me in prayer. Please, I'm begging you. Matthew Henry, the great Bible commentator, he, 
he captures this expression so beautifully in his commentary. And I want to read you what he, he says. Paul had prayed much for them. He prayed much for the Roman Christians. And this he desires as the return of their kindness. Interchanging prayers is an excellent token of the interchanging of loves. Interchanging prayers is an excellent token of the interchanging of loves. The purpose of the instructions love. The purpose of preaching is love. It's to create a loving community. And I'm here to tell you this morning, one of the most loving things you can do, and one of the most loving acts that we can do as a church, is to pray for Andrew Thompson. It's an act of love, and I'm begging you to love him in that way. When last did you pray for Andrew Thompson? Because he prays for you. He agonizes in prayer for you. And we owe it to Him to interchange that love and to be praying for Him. Yes, we do. You know, it's, it's, it's my greatest hope that on that day when we are judged for all men must stand before God and give an account for what they've done in the flesh. It's, it's my hope that I will not hear those words and that none of you will hear those same words that Jesus spoke to his disciples in the Garden of Gethsemane on the night that he was betrayed. And he said, pray for me. My soul is deeply troubled. I beg of you, pray for me. And he went off a stone stone. He fell on his knees and he, his sweat became like great droplets of blood. He was so intensely tormented with what he was going to have to go through for my sin the next day. And then he, he got up from his, his knees after praying and he went back. And his disciples were sleeping. And he said, what? Could you not watch with me for one hour? I pray I will never have to hear those words. I pray that Andrew Thompson will never have cause to say those words about us as a church. What? Could you not watch with me? Paul saw that the spiritual conflict that he was going to have as he went to Jerusalem, that this Spiritual conflict was not something in the natural realm. It was a spiritual conflict. The astonishing reality of what we see here is that Paul says to a group of people one and a half thousand miles away from Jerusalem that they are the chief contenders, the chief soldiers in this battle for the success of his ministry in Jerusalem. But that can be so because Prayer moves the hand of God. And God controls the hands of men. So Paul prays that he'd be delivered from the unbelieving Jews in Jerusalem. Paul knew exactly what it was to be persecuted by the Jews. I've got a list of eight or ten verses from Acts as he did his, his 
his missionary journeys, how in city after city after city after city, he was persecuted by the Jews. And in fact, in, in one of those cities, Lystra, he was actually stoned by Jews who'd come from Antioch and Iconium. And some commentators believe that he actually died. He was stoned to death. Uh, I'm not sure if that's true. Others say, well, no, he wasn't stoned to death. But either way, a miracle happened because the the brethren gathered around him, gathered around him, prayed for him. He rose up, went back into the city, and the next day they went to a new place and he carried on preaching. You don't do that after you've just been stoned. So he knew what it was to be persecuted by the Jews. And so he is begging them, please, I'm begging please be praying for me. Andrew Thompson needs our prayers. Okay, so that's, that's the first one. If you're going to list prayer requests that the Bible tells us to pray for Andrew Thompson, there's five of them I'm going to give you. This is the first one, that Tomo would be protected from external enemies of the gospel and of the church. Those who hate the gospel, those who hate the church, those who hate Jesus Christ and his kingdom. And there are many. We need to be praying for Andrew that he would be protected from such people. Secondly, Paul requested that he be delivered, in a sense, from the misunderstandings that may take place and the contentions within the church. He was taking a large sum of money to the church in Jerusalem. And Paul was not unaware what money can do to people. Money brings division. And so he says, you need to pray for me. I'm going back to Jerusalem with this large sum of money. And this service that I'm offering the saints there, please pray that it will be acceptable to them. That there won't be a big kaboom because now there's a big sum of money that gets delivered. And so the second thing we've got to be praying for Tomo is that his ministry to us, including... His administration of the finances of this church, but it doesn't stop there. His ministry to us as a church and his leadership of this church would be acceptable to us. That's what the Bible tells us to pray. That his ministry would be received with humility, with submissiveness, with joy, with peace and with unity amongst us. It's not a given that Andrew will be respected by the church. We must be praying that he will be and that his ministry will be accepted by us internally. So, deliverance from external enemies, deliverance from internal contentions. That's the second one. All right, so now we're going to move to another scripture. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 25. 1 Thessalonians 5, verse 25. This is just actually a sort of introduction to the Second Thessalonians 1, but I want to comment on it. This is the simplest and shortest of all the prayer requests of Paul in Scripture. And he simply says, brethren, pray for us. Pray for us. I don't know this for sure, but I have a, I have a suspicion that after Paul said that in his first letter, brethren, pray for us, some communication came back from one of the brothers who came to visit him, saying, we want to pray for you, Paul. What can we pray for you? And so in 2 Thessalonians, 
where we've had the shortest prayer request of Paul in 1 Thessalonians, we have the longest of Paul's prayer requests in 2 Thessalonians. And I think he was answering a question that, uh, that they asked him. What can we pray for you? And so in 2 Thessalonians, he then says this. This is 2 Thessalonians chapter 3, verses 1 and 2. Finally, brethren, pray for us. Just as he'd said in his first letter, but now he expands on it. That the word of the Lord may run swiftly and be glorified, just as it is with you. I'm not going to comment on that one yet, because that's the second of our themes. I'm still on the deliverance from enemies theme. The gospel success theme is coming later. I'm going to return to that. But here's the deliverance side. He says, pray for us also then, that we may be delivered from unreasonable and wicked men, for not all have faith. Now this is an interesting thing, because I've said to you there's two groups of people, or two sources of danger which Paul wants prayer for. The first one I said to you was people outside the church who hate the gospel. Pray that Andrew will be safe from those outside the gospel. And if I may, just another thought has come to mind. That includes the media. You know that there is an agenda in certain sections of the media to discredit and attack the church. And we need to be praying for Andrew that he will be delivered from such attacks in the media. If we do continue to grow as a church, there is going to come a time where we start being noticed. Andrew said to us many times, he's happy that actually we have for a long time just sort of sailed under the radar as a church. If we continue to grow, and I believe we will, there's going to come a time where we're going to attract the attention of the world. And that comes with danger. So attacks from externally. I've said to you also, misunderstandings internally but here we have a third category now Paul says not all have faith there are unreasonable and wicked men and he says and they don't have faith now to me that that means that there is a a danger that the Thessalonians may mistake these people for having faith what am I saying I think Paul is talking about people within the church who are not saved. And that we must pray that Andrew will be safe from people within our midst who have not faith. This is what Jesus called wolves in sheep's clothing. Paul was deeply aware that the threat of unbelievers within the church was as great as adversaries outside the church. Paul spends much of his time warning the church about false teaching. He calls these men imposters in 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 13. If you go and read Acts chapter 20, where Paul addresses the Ephesian elders, he doesn't believe he's ever going to see them again. And he has some parting words for them. And I want you to listen to what he says. This is Acts chapter 20, verses 29 to 31. I'll draw some of his words out of that. Paul says this to the Ephesian elders. For I know this, that after my departure... Savage wolves, is the language of Jesus, wolves in sheep's clothing. Savage wolves will come in among you, not sparing the flock. Also from among yourselves, men will rise up speaking perverse things to draw away disciples after themselves. 
We haven't really had that as a church yet. I tell you, you look around global Christianity and this happens all the time. That from within a congregation, someone will begin to cause strife and dissent and draw people away after themselves and churches crack down the middle. It can happen here. We need to be praying for Andrew that he would be delivered from such people in our midst. He says this, they will speak perverse things, they'll draw people away. Therefore, watch and remember that for three years, listen to this, for three years, I did not cease to warn everyone night and day with tears. For three years, Paul would shed tears as he shared what I'm sharing with you right now. People will rise up from the midst of you and try to draw people away after themselves. Okay, so that's my fourth one. Sorry, sorry, the third one. We must be praying for Tomo to be delivered from enemies within the church and that the influence of such false shepherds would not hamper Andrew's ministry. Okay. So those are three in the deliverance category. Now I'm going to go to the other category, gospel success. And to look at that, I want us to look at Ephesians chapter 6. So if you could go there with me, and we'll look at verses 18 to 20 together. Ephesians 6, 18 to 20. Paul is talking about prayer and He asks the saints in Ephesus to pray for him. And I'm going to read from verse 18. He says, Praying always with all prayer and supplication in the Spirit, being watchful to this end, with all perseverance and supplication for all the saints. Okay, so we need to be praying for the other saints. And then what does he say? And for me. Please be praying for me, he says. Now, Now, what does he want them to pray for? That utterance, if you've got an NIV Bible, the word that's used there is, <clears throat> is the word words, that words would be given to me, that utterance would be given to me, that I may open my mouth boldly to make known the mystery of the gospel, for which I am an ambassador in chains. He was in prison when he wrote the letter to the Ephesians, that in it, that in the preaching, in the making known of the mystery of the gospel, I would speak boldly as I ought to speak, he says. That's what I want you to pray for me. And when Paul asks the church in Ephesus to pray for him, I I want you to understand this. It's not false humility. This isn't some PR campaign that Paul is on just to try to make the Ephesian believers somehow feel like they are involved in his ministry. This is not just some people skill that he's doing here. He is genuinely asking, needing their prayers. If a church is ever going to experience power in its pulpit, God has ordained it that people, the people of the church, will have to be praying for the preacher and his preaching. If we're going to be a missionary-minded church, a church that is faithful to the Great Commission, we have to accept and action this principle that one of our primary responsibilities is to be praying for the preaching of this church. I want to read you what a famous theologian, his name is Herman Ridderbos, Dutch theologian, this is what he said. 
This does not mean merely an incidental rendering of assistance. It's not just some incidental help that you offer, Andrew, in which the church shows its sympathy for the work of the apostle. No, he's not asking for sympathy. Rather, its own mode of existence, the church's own mode of existence as a missionary church is reflected in it. What's he saying? If we want to be a missionary church that is faithful to the Great Commission, go into all the world and make disciples, one of the ways that we will be a missionary church, our mode of existence will be, will be a, by being a church that prays for Andrew Thompson, and not just for Andrew Thompson, but for his preaching. It seems to me that a great work will be done within Church on Main if every one of us comes to the sort of deep, honest realization that preachers such as myself are deeply dependent on the power of the Holy Spirit. It seems to me a great work will be done in Church on Main if you realize how incompetent we feel to do this and how much we depend on the power of God when we preach. I don't know if you have any idea how incompetent I feel to stand here and preach to you from God's Word. I don't know if you have any idea of how incompetent I am to stand here and preach to you God's Word. But do we have an appreciation for the power of the Holy Spirit to move amongst us as someone stands here on a Sunday morning and preaches? If the Holy Spirit falls upon the preaching... What would our church look like if all of us were completely convinced that the Holy Spirit must be here on a Sunday morning to illuminate the Scriptures in our hearts and mind? What would it look like if the Spirit fell upon this meeting? What would that look like? How would our prayer meetings change? If we genuinely believe that the great works of God in our generation are achieved through the prayers of the saints. Pray for me, says Paul, that words would be given to me as I'm preaching. Prayer for the preaching of a church is one of the fundamental tasks of the Great Commission. John Calvin, the great Reformed theologian of the 16th century, he said this, There is no man alive so richly gifted in his preaching that he does not need the assistance of the prayers of the saints. As long as your preacher, Andrew Thompson, who preaches to us mostly on Sunday mornings, as long as he is living in the flesh... And preaching in a world which is still sinful and under the sway of the devil, as the Bible says. He is going to need your prayers for his preaching. You look at this. Paul the Apostle says, I want you to pray for me that utterance will be given to me so that I'd be able to make the mystery of the gospel known to people. Was there ever a man alive? who understood the mystery of the gospel and was gifted to make it known like the Apostle Paul. This is the man who was such a powerful preacher 
that when he preached to the Gentiles, Acts 16, 7, somewhere around there, when he preaches to the Gentiles, they called him Hermes. Hermes was the Roman uh, god, the one who was the messenger of the gods, the spokesman of the gods. They called him Hermes and they started sacrificing things to him. That's how powerful this man was a preacher. This man was so gifted at making known the truths of the gospel, he wrote the letter to the Romans. This is the man that penned the letter to the Galatians. And he says, pray for me so that words will be given to me so that I'll be able to make it known. If Paul the Apostle needed it, how much more Andrew Thompson and Mark Agar and Steve Johnston and whoever else preaches to you here. We need your prayers for our preaching. Charles Spurgeon, the Prince of Preachers, had the biggest church in the world in the 19th century. It is said that he used to walk up the stairs of his pulpit on a Sunday morning, praying under his breath, Lord, have mercy upon me. Please understand this. You need to be praying for Andrew's preaching. So Paul says, please pray for utterance, that words would be given. He says, pray for boldness. Pray for boldness. Boldness is one of the great themes of preaching throughout the Gospels and the books of Acts. I don't have time. Paul says, therefore, since we have such hope, we use great boldness of speech. Whoever preaches here on a Sunday must preach boldly, unapologetically, and yet with love, with humility. Who is sufficient for these things? We need your prayers. Pray that I'll be able to make the, the, the mystery of the gospel known. So I want to ask a question now this morning. Is there regular focused prayer in this church for its preachers and not just Andrew Thompson and his family and his children? And yes, we must be praying for those things. But is there prayer for Andrew Thompson's preaching in this church? I was pleased to learn this morning that Murray and Heather lead a, a, a prayer meeting before this service begins at 5 to 9. Is it up in the prayer room, Mary? Up in the prayer room, 5 to 9, probably 20 minutes, 25 minutes of prayer for the service. May the Lord bless you for your faithfulness. Well done, my good and faithful servant. I can tell you it is a great privilege for me as a preacher to step into this pulpit knowing that you've been praying for what I'm about to do. Thank you. Thank you. Why are there not more people there? He says they get four or five people there. Did you pray for me this morning? I'm not trying to put a heavy on you. I'm trying to make my point strongly. Did you pray for me this morning? I struggle with this cappuccino culture where we wander into church and we, 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 we a couple of minutes late and then we sit in our chair as if we're going to see a movie. What's, what's going to happen? Let's see what he's got for us this morning. When actually the success of what happens here or not, whether the Holy Spirit attends it with power or not, is in your hands. We are a body. And the eye cannot say to the ear, I have no need of you. God has set it up this way so that we will function together. Andrew Thompson needs you to be praying for his preaching. Okay. I think I've made that point. (laughs) 
Um, then finally, that's, that was number four. And then finally, Colossians chapter 4, verses 3 and 4. This one's going to be very short. Colossians chapter 4, verses 3 and 4. Meanwhile, Paul says to the Colossians, praying also for us. Pray for us that God would open to us a door for the word to speak the mystery of Christ, for which I am also in chains, that I may make it manifest as I ought to speak. Now, I don't want to get into it, but Paul wrote Ephesians and Colossians at the same time. And in fact, if you read Ephesians and Colossians together, you'll see that actually they're almost the same letter. Um, and he repeats many of the same themes in the two letters because he, he would have written one straight after the other. Okay, send this one off to Ephesus. Okay, next one. I'm going to dictate it to you. Send that one off to Colossae. But he gives a slightly different emphasis in this one. He says, pray that a door would be opened to the word. And what a wonderful thing when, when we hear of opportunities for the gospel to be preached in forums other than the Sunday morning service. Andrew's told stories before of how he's been invited to preach the gospel at chapel services at a school, for example. I remember he told a story once of a, a chapel service he preached at many years ago. And he met, kind of 15, 20 years later, a number of girls who, who were at that school visiting church on Main that said, that was the morning that I got saved. When you came and preached at our chapel service. I, I rejoice at stories when people are in business, as many of you are, Use your influence in your sphere for a door to be opened, a meeting, a breakfast, a dinner at your house where you can invite someone to come and share the gospel. We need to be praying for Andrew that such opportunities will open for him. That there will be these unique God-inspired moments where God says, okay, my people have been praying. I'm going to crack open the darkness of the world out there. And I'm going to send an evangelist in there to go and preach the gospel. And I'm going to get people saved. You need to be praying for such opportunities. For Andrew. And for me. And for... We love opportunities like that. So don't feel condemned if you're not opening those doors. But all I'm asking you to do is pray for them. Pray that doors will be open for Andrew's preaching. Okay, so as we now reach the end of our message, you look at these two themes. Paul praying for deliverance. Paul praying for gospel success and for power in his preaching. Actually, when you think about it, those two themes merge into one, don't they? Because the reason Paul wanted to be delivered was for the sake of the church. It wasn't for his own sake. Paul never prayed or asked, sorry, for prayers from the churches for his own personal comfort or benefit. What a servant to the church Paul was. And that is a great challenge to men like ourselves who've given our life to ministry. That the church doesn't exist for us. You're not here for us. We're not asking you to pray for our own particular problems. Paul knew he existed for the sake of the church. He did pray for personal things himself. We see that in 2 Corinthians. He begs God to take this thorn in the flesh away from him. And actually God says no in that case. But when he asked for prayer from the churches, he only asked for things that was for the sake of the building up of the body of Christ. And both of these things are actually for that. Pray that I'll be delivered so that my ministry will continue. Pray that my ministry will have power so that as my ministry continues it will be fruitful. It's the same thing. 
Okay, so the five prayer requests to summarize then that I've said the Bible itself tells us to be praying for Andrew Thompson are these. I'm just going to recap them for you. Number one, we need to be praying for Andrew to be protected from external enemies to the gospel. From attacks from outside, we need to be praying for him. We need to be praying for Thomas' ministry to be acceptable to us, that there wouldn't be seething discontent within the church, but that our hearts would be at peace with him. We need to be praying, number three, for Tomo to be delivered from enemies within the church. False shepherds, people who will rise up and try to draw people away after themselves. He needs to be prayed for protection against such people. Number four, that words would be given to him as he preaches. That he would make the mystery of the gospel known as he preaches. And that he would speak boldly as he ought to speak. We need to be praying for his preaching. And fifthly, that God would open doors for the word. For Tomo to preach elsewhere and to bear fruit for the gospel. I wonder if you'll close together with me in prayer. As I pray these five prayers for Andrew. And you can then give a loud amen if you agree. And then what we're going to do after I've prayed is we've, we've uh, left two minutes. Sorry. What I wanted to do, do we have time? Do we? Okay, we'll make it quick. I want you to just in pairs. I want you to pray something that God put in your heart to be praying for Andrew. So I want there to be... 100, 200 prayers now that are said for Andrew. As you get into prayers, just pray something for him together. Any of these. Let me pray. Father, we bring Andrew Thompson, our leader, to you. We thank you for him. We pray you bless him. We pray, O oh God, firstly, that you will protect him from enemies of the gospel and enemies of the church. Protect him from attacks from outside of this church. Protect him, God. Deliver him from such. Lord, we pray, secondly, that Thomas' ministry will be acceptable to us as a church. That our hearts would be knit with his and that our hearts would be at peace with his. Let his service be acceptable to us, O oh God, give us hearts of submission and peace and love for him. Thirdly, Lord, we pray that Andrew would be delivered from false shepherds, Lord, wolves in sheep's clothing from within church on man. Lord, if there be any, if there would be any, Lord, who would rise up from within church on man and draw people away, God, we pray you cut that off now in Jesus' name, that you protect this flock and Andrew in particular from such people. Lord, we pray, number four, that words would be given to Tomo as he preaches here week in and week out. Oh, God, anoint him, Lord. Give him utterance, God, that he may open his mouth boldly to make known the mystery of the gospel. Lord, that in it he would speak boldly as he ought, as he ought to speak, God. Bless Andrew's preaching to us, God. Let the Holy Spirit fall on him and us as he preaches. And fifthly, Lord, we pray for doors to open in our communities, Lord. For, for evangelists and Andrew himself to go from this place and preach the gospel. That people out there may be saved as you open doors for preaching. Lord, we ask this to the glory and in the name of Jesus. And everybody said, Amen. 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 So please, get into a... A pair, get together with someone and just pray something for Andrew.